Welcome to the City Reach Baptist Podcast. If you would like more information about the life of our church, please go to our website at cityreach.com.au or like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. Good evening, everyone. It's a joy to join you tonight. My name's Nick Van Roof. I'm a regular in the morning. I um, It's a little bit about myself. I work for an organization called City Bible Forum. We go and help people in the workforce ask the bigger questions about life and about Jesus. Uh, I'm studying at uh, Bible College of South Australia, and I have a Canadian accent to answer uh, that question, which no doubt some of you have. But I know at this point, probably no one's listening to me. Everyone's wondering, what on earth does he have in the bag? Well, uh, you'll be pleased to know I have a few props tonight, so you know it's going to be a good sermon, because every good sermon has props. Um, Well, that's not true. That's some bad advice. Uh, But the first one I have right the first prop is these VR glasses. Now, I've got bad eyesight, uh, and I want to engage with you and understand what reactions you're doing. Like, if I hear an amen, I want to check, is that Timon or someone else, you know? Um, And so I've brought these VR glasses to put on so that I can see you all better. Now, you're probably thinking, what on earth is this guy on about? They're not, that's useless, it won't work. And it's right, it's ridiculous to use something that's intended for one purpose, you know, to, to watch movies in 3D and all that, for a completely different purpose. That's ridiculous. Yet we, we sometimes do that with Bible verses. We use a, a passage or a verse, a text, uh, that's intended for one purpose when we, when we use it out of context for a purpose that we impose ourselves uh, that's, that's ridiculous. Like, if I were to use these to see you all better, you know, at, at worst, that's disastrous. At best, it's dangerous, me putting these on and preaching, walk, especially walking around on the stage. Right, tonight we're going to look at um, uh, bad advice. And I'm not, I'm not here to share bad advice with you. No, we're going to be unpacking uh, a particular scripture that can be used, or when it's used out of context, becomes bad advice. And there's a whole heap. A few weeks ago, Carl shared on uh, judge not lest you be judged. So, you know, a a verse taken out of context in a negative sense. I'm going to look at some verses that are taken out of context in the positive sense and how they, when uh, used for a purpose that is not intended, could be uh, at best dangerous and at worst disastrous. I've got a few here, uh, and I've got to apologize to my mum because uh, she gave me all of these. <laughs> uh, a few here. So we've got all things are possible because nothing is impossible with God. That's from Luke 1.37. Uh, I've also got this one. With God, all things are possible. That's Matthew 19.26. But tonight, what we're going to look at, just put that down there so it doesn't distract anyone anymore. What we're going to look at is Philippians 2, uh, sorry, Philippians 4, verse 13. Uh, now, when we, yeah, we, we, it's working. Next slide, it's not working, there we are. Oh, too far. So, Philippians 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, no doubt you've, you've heard this verse before. Uh, it's used quite a lot in, in, in Christian circles. I've said this uh, a lot. You know, I've, I've probably said a lot more this past week than I have normally because uh, I've been thinking about it a lot. 
Uh, but you can see there's all these different contexts that people have used this verse. Uh, and I've got three here how, how people, Christians, have tended to apply this verse in an unhelpful way, in a dangerous or even disastrous way. So, you know, I could do everything who Christ, who, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I could achieve great things through Christ who gives me strength. I can overcome anything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, I want to unpack these and show how these, if we, if we divorce a passage from its context and, and impose an application, you know, viewing it through the lens of our own experience, our own desires, our own worldview, then that passage loses its original purpose. It loses its power. It becomes, applying it becomes at best dangerous and at worst disastrous. It becomes bad advice. So I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. This is a, a great verse to use when you're in a situation like mine. I've got an assignment due tomorrow night uh, that I've barely started, uh, but that's all right. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can get it done. You know, it's, it's the kind of uh, idea that you know, I want to start a business and become really successful and really rich, and I can do it because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, then there's this guy, uh, uh, Tim Tebow. Uh, now, I got in trouble with uh, Timon on Wednesday night for not knowing who this guy is, so I apologize to any Americans uh, <laughs> in the congregation. Uh, so, yeah, Tim Tebow, a, a famous football player from America, he... Um, he has Philippians 4.13 stuck to his face. And, uh, you know, I don't know how he's interpreting that. I don't know what his particular view on the passage is. But when he runs out into a game wearing that, that implies that he's saying, I can win this game through Christ who gives me strength. Now, this, this, applying this verse is it's potentially disastrous because... Uh, because when we apply it that way, one, it's not necessarily true. Like, you know, Tim's not going to win every game he plays whenever he has that verse on his face. You know, if I start a business, it's not necessarily going to go off and uh, I'm going to become really successful. I may not finish my assignment tomorrow night. Like, let's, let's see what happens. But it becomes uh, disastrous because, one, it's not true, not necessarily true. But also, it changes our focus from Jesus to what we want. You know, we're using Jesus like a power-up, that he's giving us power to do what we want to do. And that, and soon that would distract us. And I've seen this happen in friends of mine, right? That it, it comes less about Jesus and more because, about the goal we want to achieve, you know, in his name, in, in his strength. And soon Jesus just, uh, you know, discarded to the side and all becomes about that goal. And that's disastrous, so the purpose we impose is that Philippians 4 verse 13 is about doing whatever we want, and that's disastrous. The next way uh, to apply it is I can achieve great things for Jesus through Christ who gives me strength. And that's, that's a great ambition, right? It's a good thing to pursue doing great things for Jesus. But if we interpret this verse in this way, apart from the context it's in, it becomes uh, dangerous and even distracting for us. How? 
It's because it's reinforcing this idea that I need to be doing great things for Jesus in order to be serving Jesus. I remember at one time I was at a youth rally uh, and um, I was talking to one of the, one of the youth pastors there uh, and I mentioned that I was interested in going to Bible college at some point and he, see, he said, why aren't you there now? You should drop what you're doing, go to Bible college, become a pastor because you know, you're not really serving God unless you're uh, giving it all for him in ministry. You know, like, and I was taken aback. Now, obviously, I, I am eventually down that path. I'm studying now. But at the time, I thought, well, am I not serving God now with what I'm doing? Uh, am I, you know, the people that I'm studying with, uh, do they not need to know Jesus? You know, and what about, what about my personal life? I've got things to work on now before, uh, you know, serving Jesus with my whole life. And it just reinforced this idea that you need to be doing, you know, you need to be a pastor to serve Jesus. But that's just not true. God calls us to serve us in every aspect of our lives, in the situation that we find ourselves. And then you get uh, stories like one particular church leader in America. I won't mention his name because it's not important. Uh, but he ran a massive ministry, big, big church. He wrote books. He, he produced DVDs. He um, had these uh, you know, international uh, uh, conferences that he ran and things like that. And he was incredibly successful, achieved great things for God. Uh, but then it came out that he uh, bullied and sexually harassed his staff. And that just undermined his entire ministry. We can't let overemphasizing doing great things let us neglect uh, the, small, the, the personal things. Let us, let us neglect how our heart's going. How are we uh, in our own relationship with Jesus? We want every part of our lives surrendered to him. And it, and it flips. Uh, you know, if you think about this advice that we have, you know, I can achieve great things through Christ who gives me strength, if we, the converse of that advice is that if, if we don't achieve, if we fail, does that mean that Jesus isn't with us? And that's not true either. So the purpose we impose, Philippians 4.13, is about achieving, achievement. Uh, but it distracts us from what God really wants, our obedience in every part of our lives. Now, the third way uh, that some have uh, interpreted this verse is I can um, overcome anything through Christ who gives me strength. You know, I might be f- facing hard, difficult situations or in, or in whatever. I'm thinking I can overcome this and get through and I have it behind me through Jesus who gives me strength. Now, I want to be really careful here uh, because this, this is somewhat close to, uh, you know, understanding it in context, but it does get dangerous Uh, when we think about it in that way, being overcoming anything through Christ who gives us strength. Uh, When um, I had a friend uh, uh, a while ago, well, sorry, I have a friend uh, who a while ago, a number of years ago, uh, was struggling in his marriage, and he he couldn't understand why uh, he could not overcome those challenges. And he he thought and prayed, Jesus, uh, why aren't you helping me? Why aren't you with me? And because the situation never got any better, he ended up giving up on the marriage and giving up on Jesus uh, because he believed this idea 
that if the strength of Jesus was in him, he would overcome and he would be delivered from whatever bad situation he's in. Now, some of you might be going through challenging situations, and I want to reiterate that Jesus does help us. He does bring healing, reconciliation, and deliverance, and the Bible does talk about that, but this verse uh, is not quite talking specifically about that. And the, the purpose we impose when we interpret this way is that it's about overcoming our trouble. Now, don't hear me wrong. Do not hear me that this verse is bad advice. This verse is great advice. Uh, when we actually understand it in context, it is so much greater than those other three options, the truth it has for all of us. But when we take a verse and interpret through our own lens, our own experience, our desires, what we uh, impose onto a passage, we're shortchanging ourselves. We're not getting the rich truth. The Holy Spirit's not working through his word to teach us. When we take something and use it for a purpose, it's not intending, intended for. for. Uh, and, you know, this is, Philippians 4.13 is not bad advice, but it can become bad advice. At best, dangerous, and at worst, disastrous. But we want to replace bad advice with biblical truth. Uh, so that's what we're going to look at uh, for the rest of our time, is how can we interpret this verse? What is the purpose of Philippians 4, verse 13? And this is really hard work, right? It's not easy to, to understand a passage uh, and, and know what it's intended, um, and that's why it's really important to, when we're reading the Bible is to read it in context and read it verse by verse and under, you know, understand a whole book or the, uh, and the all of Scripture. Um, I just want to really encourage you guys on a few things. Uh, first, it's been fantastic uh, going through in the morning service, going through Ephesians together, right from verse 1 all the way through to chapter 6. Uh, we're taking a break now, but re-kicking uh, re it off in January. Um, it's been fantastic and great to read through verse by verse throughout the week, getting a big picture of what the whole book is about, and uh, the truth we're getting is, is great. And um, you may have heard uh, about the Leadership Academy that City Reach are doing next year, training uh, City Reach members in, in leadership, in theology, and how to read the Bible. I really encourage you to get along to those, to those uh, Monday nights, training nights, to be equipped in reading the Bible and, and you know, uh, um, having a go, understanding it, being able to read it, um, understand the context, understand the book as, as a whole, and being able to apply it. And maybe for some of you here, uh, you might consider going to a Bible college or doing, um, doing further study in the Bible to be able to understand it and apply and teach it to others. You know, I'm still learning how to read the Bible. And, you know, Pastor Kyle is still learning how to read the Bible. Timon is still learning how to read the Bible. You don't graduate from learning the Bible. Uh, it's a lifetime of learning, of, of digging into it. And it's, it's like digging for gold, right? It's hard work, but the reward you get is you hear the voice of, of God through his written word. So enough about why we should uh, work hard, uh, understand the context. Let, let's unpack 
uh, Philippians 4, verse 13. So do open your Bibles to page 982. We'll be flipping around in Philippians a bit, but starting now in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. But we're not actually going to start at verse 13, because we're looking in context. We'll go back a few verses and look at Philippians 4, verse 10. So when you look down and read with me, this is Paul speaking to the Philippian people. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you've revived your concern for me. You indeed, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Right, so the, so the Philippians were concerned about Paul in the situation he was in, and he appreciated it. Like, thanks for, thanks for being concerned. Like, and he, he, uh, he, you know, he wants to reassure them of his uh, condition. So verse 11, not that I'm speaking uh, of being in need, but I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. I know, sorry, in any and every situation, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Now, you might read that and think, yeah, but Paul, do you really understand what it is to need or to hunger or to be in a difficult situation. And we, we actually heard about it a little bit before in Acts 16. Paul is writing this letter from prison. Not the time he was in Acts 16, but he ended up in prison again later on. And uh, I don't know what you know about Roman prisons, but they're really not, they're not pleasant places to find yourself. Right? There's, uh, it's, a, it's a dark hole uh, in a, in a building, uh, there's, there's very little light. He's chained to the ground. Uh, there's, there's Roman soldiers around who, um, who are like the, you know, the guards and people who work at jails were like, you know, the, the, the worst of the worst kind of, you know, you're like, you can't find any other job for them, so you send them to the prison. So not nice characters, right? And if Paul wanted to eat, he had to rely on uh, his friends or family to come and bring food for him. And if they didn't bring food, Paul would not eat. So Paul, and he'd been there, uh, scholars think, about two years by the point he writes Philippians. And so he understands, he's in a very grim situation. He understands what it is to be in need. But he, but he says he's found the secret of, of, um, the secret of facing those situations, Right? And he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So, uh, sorry, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, if we look a little bit closer at this verse, uh, the word I can do uh, comes from the word, you know, I'm, I'm breaking a preaching rule, right? In, apparently in preaching you shouldn't unless it's completely necessary uh, talk about the original language about Greek, but I'm going to do it because I do think it's necessary for understanding this verse, all right? So the Greek word for I can do is from the word exuo, all right? So there it is on the, uh, there it is, exuo. And that comes from the word exus, uh, which, and exus means strength or might or power, right? And that so what exuo really means is I am strong enough to face or I am, I am powerful enough to do something. And so in this verse, I can do all things really means I am strong enough to face all things 
through him who strengthens me. Right, so it's not so much about ability, but about strength. And so the, the purpose of this verse, what, is, you know, what the, the question is trying to get us to ask is not, what can I do? You know, can I do everything? Can I do great things? Can I overcome? It's not asking, what can I do? Or what can Paul do? It's, it's getting us to ask, where is this strength coming from? What is this strength? And you notice uh, in the ESV, so the, the, the version we're looking at now, um, the source of the strength is not explicitly mentioned. Like, it doesn't run the same way as we remember it in our, in our memory verses. It's assumed in the context that Paul's been writing. He's been talking about this guy the whole book. So when he comes to say, uh, through him who strengthened me, you know, we know who he's talking about. But scholars later on, uh, sorry, scribes, people who uh, you know, kept on passing the scriptures on, they eventually added, uh, added this person's name to make it really explicit. And they, so that is where we get the memory verse from. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Later on, they add Christ. I'm strong enough for all situations through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. Now, to un- understand how does Jesus give Paul strength in those situations is to look back at the, the passage that was read during the this, this song, Philippians 2. So flip back one page, Philippians 2, verse 5 to 11. It's a beautiful song right, that is in the center of this book. And in a way, the, the whole of the book of Philippians is, is kind of surrounding this song in the center that just describes this great work of Christ that he does for us. And so, look, we're going to read it, and this will help us understand what is this strength that Paul is drawing from? How does Christ give Paul strength? And so Paul says, "'Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus.'" Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All right, so here here is Jesus, right? He's up here in the very courtroom of God, being God himself with all the riches, the, the abundance, the prosperity that comes with being the creator of the world himself. He leaves that to come down into earth, to take the form of a man, to become a servant, to become obedient to death on a cross. You know, he, he left the riches of heaven to face the darkness of this world. You know, Paul says he was obedient to his father. He took on the brokenness of this world. He took on to himself the pain, the hurt uh, that are, that that we face, the pain that we cause, you know, the ignorance and arrogance we've shown, all the wrong things we've said and done and thought, you know, all these things God, uh, the Bible calls sin. He's taken on our sin and died with it. 
And so because he was obedient to God, because he took our sin, the brokenness of the world, God rose him from the dead and exalted him to the highest place, you know, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. So Jesus, he came from greatness. He entered into, uh, in, into poverty, but then was exalted again because of the sacrifice he had done. And it's in that same, uh, same power that we too are given life, those of us who trust in Jesus. He's taken away our sin, taken everything that separates us from God, and we, we rise with him. We're promised life and eternal life with God. And that is the strength that Paul is talking about, the strength to face any situation. It comes from the one who gave it all up to save us. Jesus, Jesus faced the worst of all situations, dying on a cross and rising again so that we might have new life in him. You, you, no hardship we might face is even worth comparing to the riches of glory we have in store for us uh, with, with Jesus. And no, no thing on earth is as good as uh, what we might have in store. In fact, Paul says himself, all this I consider garbage compared to what I have in Jesus. You know, but, but for us, how can this strength help us? How can the strength help us practically in the situations that we find ourselves? Uh, now, the best way to understand, we've already done it, understand Scripture is through Scripture. Uh, so it's wise to look back through Philippians and see where Paul speaks about the strength he receives from Christ. And now we, we see it through a number of ways, right? But I just want to highlight three from the book of Philippians where we see... Uh, the strength that Paul is talking about. A strength of purpose, a strength of conduct, and a strength of hope. So have a look at Philippians 1, verse 19. So 1, verse 19. Uh, Paul says, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Referring to uh, his situation. As it's you know, and it sounds like, you know, the, the advice we talked about earlier, but have a listen. Uh, verse 20, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ would be honored in my body, whether by life or death. You know, we might think that his deliverance, he's referring to being released from prison, but his hope is that he would not be ashamed. And that he would glorify Christ in his body, right? And, he, and here's the clincher, whether he lives or dies, right? And it, then he says this phenomenal verse, verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So Paul knows that whether he lives or dies, Christ is still king. He knows that Jesus who gave it all up for him has become above all things, so that while he's alive, he can wholeheartedly serve him. And that when, when he dies, that he will be with him. So no matter what, Paul will obey Jesus. No matter what, Paul will surrender his life to Jesus. And this is a purpose that Paul 
has that consumes his entire life, a purpose that does not end with death. And when we trust in Jesus and we're given a new life, we share that same purpose, right? As Christians, we know why we are here. Why are we on this earth? It's to bring God glory. And as a church, we know why we're here. It's to glorify God and bring joy to the city. We live for Jesus. We exist for Jesus. And whatever we face, that is our purpose. That's our goal. And that is why through Jesus, we're given a strength of knowing why we're here, a strength of purpose. Whether we are rich or poor or hungry, persecuted or honored in society, we live for Jesus. Uh, knowing, sorry, uh, you know, for us to live is Christ and to die is gain. So, so Philippians 4 verse 13, it's not about what I want, doing whatever I want, but it's what Jesus wants for us. It's not about doing things that would exalt us, but having the courage and the strength by Christ to do what would exalt Jesus above everything else. So the next uh, way that Paul explores this strength is the strength of conduct. Right? The Philippians, like Paul, they were being persecuted uh, and having a really hard time being imprisoned and, and even killed in situations. Uh, but Paul has an encouragement for them and it, comes, it begins in verse 27. He says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, uh, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So Paul talks about, uh, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Right? In whatever situation we find ourselves, whether we're facing challenges, the way we live, our conduct matters. You know, Paul explains what this looks like in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse, uh, have a look at verse 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your, his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You know, having humility, putting others before yourself, following Jesus' example. But then also, again, if you skip down to verse 12 of chapter 2, you know, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not so now, not only in my presence, but also more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his Good pleasure is God acting in us, right? And have the very next verse, how does that work out? Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Right? Paul is contending to the Philippians to watch their conduct, watch how they act, uh, in, in how they respond to situations. You know, Paul had every reason to grumble. He was in a dark, uh, wet, smelly prison, you know, and, and friends who, you know, could rarely get to him with food. He had every reason to grumble, but he knew he had everything in what he had been provided in Christ. 
And no matter what would happen to him, he knew his position with Jesus because what Jesus had done. And so, you know, how Paul responded to the situations is a model for us and how Jesus responded to, to suffering, to, you know, entering into our dark, uh, you know, poverty-filled world. That's a model for us to follow. You know, and it's God who works in us to change us to give us the strength to live differently, to be different in the world we're in. When we face challenges, when we face you know, people giving us a hard time, when we faith, face stress at work, uh, when we face you know, relationship breakdown, we can, God gives us the power to live differently, to conduct and to respond to difficult situations um, in every part of our lives and to be obedient in every situation. You know, God is not just concerned about the extravagant things we do, but also the mundane. It's not just um, the big things we need to do for Jesus, but being obedient in the small things, how we, how we greet our brother, how we respond to our spouse, how we, you know, what we say, the language we use. You know, absolutely, absolutely, we should do great things for God, but it should come from a place of obedience, not seeking achievement. So if Jesus is, is calling you into vocational ministry to become a pastor, absolutely, you should, you should follow that calling out of obedience, not because you think you'll be a great preacher. If you think Jesus is calling you to evangelize an unreached nation, absolutely, you should go and follow that calling, but out of obedience, not because you, know, you think you can do it and it will be a great achievement. And if Jesus is calling you to do something completely different, completely new, entrepreneurial, uh, absolutely go for it. But do it out of obedience to Christ, not because it will look cool and, and, and successful and hasn't been done before. And in all these things, Jesus is more concerned with, with you more than your achievements. He's, he's more concerned with me than whatever I could do for him. He's concerned how I treat people. He concerned, he's concerned how we act in secret, not just in public. By his Holy Spirit, Jesus gives us the strength to be obedient in every part of our lives, not just the parts that are convenient for us or uh, that we allow him to work in. He gives us strength to be obedient in the mundane, like being loving and kind, uh, the language we use, how we respond to difficult situations. So Philippians 4 verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, is not about achievement, but about obedience to him in every aspect of our lives, no matter what we face, whether it's joy or despair. And finally, uh, uh, Paul talks of a strength of hope. Now flick over to Philippians 3 verse uh, 17. It's on the edge of the bottom of that page. Uh, Paul reminds the Philippians of those persecuted, sorry, persecuting them. So read with me from verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. 
You know, there are those who would oppose Jesus and the message that he brings because they don't want to submit. There are those that oppose uh, Christ because they don't want to be held accountable for their actions. And so the Philippians, like Paul, were being persecuted, imprisoned, killed. But Paul tells them not, not what to do to escape that situation, right, to escape that, that, those enemies, to escape the persecution. You know, read, like, flick down in 4 verse 1, he says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm. Thus in the Lord, my beloved, stand firm. Now, what gives them the strength to stand firm in that situation is knowing where their home is. So have a look back at verse 19 and 20. So the enemies of the cross of Christ, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, their glory in their shame, with their mind set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's where we belong. That's, that is what brought, um, sorry, that's where we belong. And that is what brought, no idea what I'm saying. That's where we belong, right? And that's where Christ has come down to save us, to, to, to bring us his, that citizenship. He, he left heaven to enter into the world to bring us, uh, to make us citizens of heaven. Right? That's our home. And not only that, is whatever brokenness and pain and hurt we might feel now, we know in the future God will return and he will, bring us to, he will bring us home and there we will be made whole. Our bodies will become like his glorious bodies. Now, I'm getting to the point uh, that, you know, my body's starting to... This is really sad to say because I'm, I'm not... I'm, I'm, I'm quite young, like everyone here. Everyone here is quite young. But my body's starting to ache. My son, uh, I've got a seven-month-old son, Josh, who's um, a, a bigger child. He's uh, 11 and a half kilos, and it's getting to the point where I'm holding him for a, bit, for a bit, my back starts to ache, right? But there will be a time when there will be no more aching. You know, my wife uh, has a chronic illness, uh, and that, that is really hard to deal with, particularly because people don't understand you know, the pain that comes with chronic illnesses that are not, uh, not, you know, you can't see. But there will be a time when she and everyone uh, who trusts in Jesus will be made whole again. You know, uh, right now in China, there's, um, there's incredible increase of persecution at the moment. I read earliest week there was 100 Christian pastors who were arrested and 60 of whom no one has any idea where they are. Right, And there will be a time when even though they're being uh, persecuted and killed and uh, goodness knows what, there'll be a time when they'll be made whole. They'll be brought home. Uh, they will be, be made one with Christ uh, once and for all. And that is the hope that gives us strength to endure whatever situation we're in. You know, if only... 
um, I could have told my friend that who was struggling in his marriage that, that Jesus is all we need and that, we are, that our home is in heaven, that he has come down to save us and he, he can bring healing. You know, our home is in heaven and Paul's home is in heaven and that's why when he was in prison, he could say, I can do all things through Christ, he gives me strength. He can say, um, I've, you know, I am to be content in this situation. He can say, I've learned the secret to facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, because he knows the strength of the hope he has in Christ. So Philippians 4 verse 13 is not about, not about overcoming hardship, right? It's not about getting through it and coming to the other side and looking back and saying, that was hard, but here I am now. It's about having the hope to endure, knowing that one day Christ will make all things new, will bring healing, and will be brought home. Now, when we take a scripture out of context, you know, and we use it for purposes that was not intended for, you know, we're doing it because we're making it about us, right? I can do all things. I can get through this. I can achieve great things. But I hope you, you can see that this verse is not actually about us. It's not about Paul who's writing. It's all about Jesus. And that is so much better. You know, that's why I had John 15 read earlier before, uh, before this sermon, you know, to encourage us to abide in Christ in whatever situation we're in, hard or, or great, abiding in Christ, digging deep into him, reading his word, trusting in him, thinking about the hope we have in him. You know, Paul, sorry, Jesus gives Paul strength so he can be content in him in the darkest dungeon in Rome. And he gives us strength so that we can trust him in the darkest situations we might find ourselves. We can face plenty or hunger, hardship or prosperity. Jesus gives us strength so that we can serve him with our whole lives. He gives us strength so that we can surrender our lives completely to him, like we talked about earlier tonight. We have that strength because we know our hope is in heaven. We can do all things we can face all things through Christ who strengthens us. The next song we're going to sing, I'll bite the band up, is uh, Christ is Enough. And then we'll also uh, be seeing uh, the chorus uh, from the song, um, sorry, uh, The Heart of Worship. And that song is all about returning to Jesus. It's not about us. It's all about you, Jesus. So, I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. Uh, during that song, I really hope and pray that you would reflect on that truth, that it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And through him, we have strength to face any situation. So why don't we join me in prayer? God, we thank you so much for your word. And we thank you so much that it is challenging to understand what a passage really means. And God, we want, to, we want to apologize for the times when we've taken your word and taken it out of context and applied it in ways we want it to apply. And God, we, we pray you would help us not to do that, but to submit wholeheartedly to your word. And God, that's hard work. 
But here, Lord, we see that you give us strength. It is Christ who gives us the strength to face any situation. And I don't know what's going on in the lives of everyone here. There's probably situations uh, I have no idea and are incredibly difficult and bringing people to incredible despair. And God, I just pray into those situations that the strength of Christ would fill them, that they would know the hope they have in Jesus. They would know their citizenship is in heaven. They would know their home is with you uh, in heaven and with Jesus. And Lord, we thank you so much for what Jesus has done, leaving the riches of heaven and entering into our world to save us. God, Christ is enough. Christ is all we need. So as we sing and as we go out, we pray you would remind us that, that all we need is Jesus and that we can, we can face every situation through Jesus who gives us strength. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.